Hello and welcome to the Innate Strength Way podcast. I am your host, Leo Daniel Ryan. You're here to be inspired and empowered to restore your health, build strength, and live your greatest life. Let's get moving. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Innate Strength Way podcast. On today's show, we have Jason Eastwood on with us. Jason is now working with me as an intern here in Innate Strength, and his story is a beautiful one. Um, from being a kid with undiagnosed ADHD and a brain that worked differently to a lot of his peers and to him figuring out how to live life and uh, to the fullest of his potential. And then what you'll hear about is the traumas that he had to go through as he lost his loved one. And this is really a, a gorgeous story of a very kind-hearted man, um, one who has a lot of love for his family and for his kids and the pain and suffering that he went through and also how he found his way through that period um, to becoming more whole in himself and to become... Um, a man with a greater perspective and a greater love for life going through that tragedy. And not all uh, innate strength clients are elite athletes or are mad into sport, but what, what they do have in common is that they know that moving your body, that breathing really does change your mind and help you to live a much better life. So this will hopefully be the first of a few podcasts with Jason over the coming months and years, uh, because as he stays with us at Innate Strength, we want to hear more of his story and how he's developing as a human being. So without further ado, here's this interview with Jason. Enjoy. All right, Jay, you are very welcome to the Innate Strength Way podcast. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Pleasure being here. I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. you're probably like, what? What am I doing on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> you're one of the first guests that I've interviewed, and I was explaining to you there beforehand what the point of this podcast is. I want a little bit different to what's out there. Okay. Uh, it's not just about having experts in the field out there who are giving their knowledge and insights and um, selling stuff. Yep. Although I want those guys on because they've got a lot of value to add. Yep. But I think that everybody who's on the journey to health and performance has something of value to add. Yeah. They have their own unique experience to it, don't they? Exactly. Something there that, yeah. Exactly. And you'll talk to parts of the population that I can never talk to. Like my history, you've got asthma, I'm a trainer, i got that side of things. But you've got other sides going on, which yep. I just see is going to be incredible and will help people. And that's the point of this is just to share your story. Yeah. That people then like you go, oh, oh, that's how that's how breathing can help me. That's how movement can help me. That's how getting in cold water can help me. That's how that stuff can help me live my greatest life. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what she's great. all about. That's great that you can see that in me because sometimes I wouldn't pinpoint it that I have those attributes, you know. But it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's like uh, there, there's an old school. Um, uh, motivation speaker, his name is Les Brown. He says, There is greatness in everybody, yeah. there is greatness in you. And I love him, he's great. He's uh, he's really good at what he does, but uh, you, you'll hear it on uh, on YouTube. He's loads of them. 
Nice. I used to be mad into that nice. stuff. I would, yeah. I would spend hours just listening to YouTube and motivation speakers yeah. and picking all that stuff up. They they carry a great energy in them in their in their voice how they communicate. So it's pretty good. You're yeah. Obviously kind of like yeah, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. The problem is when you when you go to that stuff, then you walk away and then you lose the you lose the blah boom of it, the energy of it. And yeah. you're like okay, now I'm back in my everyday life yeah. and life is shitty again. Yeah. Back in your shell. Yeah. Yeah. How the hell do I move forward from here? So, um, well, let's get cracking. What we'll do is maybe we'll dive into a little bit about you and maybe we'll just dive into different questions along the way and okay. uh, see see how deep down the rabbit hole we can go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Let's so see. give us a little bit of background about you if you want, even from childhood, you know, just with respect to either health and performance in your life, uh, whether you see that in, in a physical domain or whether it's, you know, I know you've got two daughters that you love and you care for hugely, whether it's that's your main focus of your life or whether it's career is your main focus or what is. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll start maybe. Um, let's go back to when I was a kid, young kid. Um, naturally, I always liked sports, um, not being competitive, football, Gaelic. I think it was mainly down to the schooling as well. I went to an all-boys school um, at De La Salle. Um, I'm from Ballyfermot, at Dublin. You're a dubs, are you? Yeah! Up the dubs, dubs, up the dubs. Up here and loud, taking over. Yeah, taking over, taking over. But um, yeah, what? I'm in loud now, six years. So I think, what did he say? When you're over the double digits, you can say you're a draw. Oh, really? I I don't, I, I, oh, are we allowed? Could be. I think so. Well, you're in there. You're in there. I am. Yeah, I'm here. Fifteen. I think I'm here. Fourteen. Ah, years. Yeah. You're, you're locked in. Still locked in. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I was a kid, skilling sports, I loved um physical movements you know it just kind of gave me lots of energy i did have a lot of energy when i was a young kid um i'm not diagnosed as having adhd but i definitely had the traits as a young kid because i remember my parents had a hard time keeping my energy levels down and i was just running wild um i figured it out like i'm really calm now as an adult so i don't think i only when i was a kid i had the hyper side of it but when I grew into like, so give, you know, give us an idea. What were you like? Come on, give us just, some, give just, us some, some stories oh, that you always have. Just or. getting lost all the time. Like I'm not saying my parents did a bad job, but I just kept wandering off. Um, I just couldn't sit still. <laughs> um, going to restaurants, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't eat. Like eating was, I had a terrible diet. I'd only eat desserts first. Dessert first. A dessert reverse. That's the only way to get me to eat. Like I was like, okay, we give him a dessert and then he'll eat his dinner. Like that's probably just fed on my energy. But um, anyways, um, yeah, just too much energy. I didn't know how to contain it. Um, we got up to mischievous stuff. I remember one time I now I got the awful trouble for it, but I was curious with matches, and I got into my auntie's car at one stage. I wandered off. My mum and dad. I remember I once have been only six. My mum and dad were in having tea or coffee and I wandered off and I jumped into her car and I found a little pair of matches and I struck them as curious little kid and I burnt my finger and then I dropped the match and I got out of the car and I walked back in like nothing happens and the car was smoking and my auntie was like oh my god the car is on fire what happened and then I remember my mum and my dad turned around and just looked at me and goes it was you <laughs> and I just went to run for it out the back, out the back garden. I could just vividly remember my mother just chasing me with a little spoon, and I'm doing laps and circles. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just got up to mischievous stuff. But um, I calmed down. 
Eventually. Oh, how did that affect? What were you like in school then? What was your uh, attention span like? What was <sighs> your, what were you like academically? Yeah, interesting. It was it was it was good. I was well behaved. Um, I did notice an importance of like listening to the teacher. I was well behaved. It was just my attention span was really hard to lock in, as in only stuff that I was interested in, I would pay attention to. And if it was not an interesting subject, I would be off or I'd be doodling or I'd be looking around and the teacher would catch me and he'd say, Jason, what were we saying? Or what was the question? And I couldn't, I couldn't relate. And I'd be lost and he'd be embarrassed and he'd be like, oh, I don't know. But um, I think when I went to secondary school, I, I kind of put a lot more work into it. I understood studying was important. So I kind of, I did kind of have a good few friends to help me study a bit more and I knew they were, you know, academically better. But I was like, okay, I can learn a bit off these guys. Nice, it's a good environment to learn from. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And I, I kind of knew it was important. And I did do great in my junior cert. Perfect, good good scores, nice, like, few little honours. When I hit the leaving certs, um, I didn't do very good at all. Um, I think it was just the dynamics changed a little bit, learning the theory. I really struggled with theory and retaining information. Right, but, so ju- just for... Um, in case there's international listeners to this, the Leaving Cert is, in Ireland, is you get to the end of school, yeah. it's a standardised test across six or seven subjects. Very um, soak it all in, learn it all, and then spit it all out on the day. Yeah. And that would determine whether you go to, if you choose to, whether you go to university or not, um, depending on those results. Yeah. And the basics are Irish, English, maths, and then you've got a choice of different subjects. So you found learning for that kind of learning off by heart really tough yeah yeah really tough really tough to retain all that information put myself under a little bit of pressure you'd be cramming i'd be there for hours just looking over it looking over it i knew the answers but i just i couldn't couldn't remember it you know it was there it's very very interesting the way i I can't store it but if i learn something visually or physically i've got it down i'm a really quick learner that way so i was like maybe i it would have been benefited if I had a different way to be educated. But that was, you're talking many, what, 15 years ago? No more. 20 years ago? So I might have changed by now. <laughs> it might have, but it's interesting. It is. Um, and you know what? I'll talk maybe more about it again because we plan to do a couple of different podcasts with you uh, given where you're at in your journey. Yeah. Um, and we'll explain that to listeners now a little bit later on. Yeah. But uh, certainly my brain changed. And you might say it's age, and maybe it was age, but also the inputs, the things that you put in to your life, the, the baselines that you raise physically, yeah. that all of a sudden your brain just starts thinking differently. Yeah. It starts to calm down. It starts to see things way more clearly, and, and you're able to retain things more clearly if you put the right inputs in. Yeah. Which would be interesting to see. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. If you notice things change as they go along too. I do. I do. Definitely. Um, I... For, <laughs> More self, I'm very self-aware of my instincts and what benefits me. Like doing exercise, I've done it since I was very young, and I knew it kind of calmed my mind down. So it, I didn't know too much about personal training or weightlifting when I was a teenager. Was it? Was there any time that you recognised that that sport kind of helped to calm your brain down, or exercise did? Or as soon as I finished doing the exercise, I was like, oh, I feel great. So it was just, yeah, I just. I didn't know what I was doing then, but I just knew the benefits afterwards. And I said, I'm going to keep doing this because it makes me feel better. Because I was trying to find where I fit. Like, I, like theory, like going back to school, I couldn't, I didn't have any confidence of learning information from theory. But I did have confidence of pushing myself and my mindset 
I make myself feel better that way. So I just kept going with that. What worked for me, and um, I've I've done it since since I was a teenager. Then, did you find you were able to retain stuff better after you exercised or around it, or did you did you notice that at all? Definitely, good point. Um, I would afterwards. I'd be more calm. My mind would be more relaxed, and I could listen better. Where then I couldn't. I would have too much pent up energy. My mind would be wandering. I would be thinking a hundred different thoughts. It's it's kind of like you you can't get rid of that self chatter in your head. You'd be thinking of various different stuff at once especially in your environment as well you can just get distracted um even when you're having a conversation you kind of you want to listen but you're just you zone out yeah and you zone out and you kind of you it's kind of mentally exhausting but you kind of you lock back in but you keep zoning out but um yeah what was your sleep like sleep is tough um especially if you had a busy a busy one or you didn't if i didn't do exercise i couldn't sleep um, was that getting to sleep, waking up in the middle of the night, getting waking up in the middle of the night, waking up in the middle of the night, couldn't be feeling restless, um, and then just kind of trying to work through it, or I just get up and I do the things you're not supposed to do, like put on a show or something like that, um, go into autopilot. Sometimes it kind of just stops the the chatter, but then again, you're not going to get any sleep, and the next day you'd be chasing your tail, you wouldn't be uh, doing very well. But um, yeah, as a young age, sleep was tough. But I've learned, I've learned like what works, what helps me sleep better. Um, now compared to now as an adult, what does help you? What's it mean? What does help you? Um, I like doing meditation. I like doing a bit of breath work. I like to make sure I get my exercise in daily. If it's something that can exert myself, even for about twenty or thirty minutes, so I'd go for a run. That helps. Do you find you need to train daily? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever work in jobs that kind of, um, where it took you out of that, like city jobs, office jobs, even retail jobs where you just didn't get your training or were there periods of your life where you didn't at all? Yeah. No, I couldn't, I couldn't function. Like I, I had many retail jobs. I tried to get like part-time work. Oh, when I finished school, I would, where would I work? I'd work like River Island, you know, like retail shops, shoe and I enjoyed I enjoyed the the social side of it, working away, helping people, but not being able to do the job in a pace. It was like when I slowed down, I was terrible at it. I needed to do stuff quick, which is interesting. So like, so I worked better under pressure in a flow. So when the shop was busy, I was great. When the shop was quiet, terrible. Like <laughs> it's interesting. It's you can relate to stuff that I'm doing now, like. My, most of my experience would be working in hospitality and it could be very fast paced but I excelled in that and going with the flow and having a good read on people and serving them, helping them, it's kind of feels good. It's great making sure they have a good time and I'm in a nice little flow of making them happy. And there's music, the environment, everybody's happy there, they want to have a nice time. So I kind of pick up on that energy a little bit and that's where I like to work. If it's something that's like office work and I have to kind of stare at, say, a screen or do, you know, any theory or written work, I really have to work on that to keep my focus. I'm way better on my feet. So I'm still figuring it out, but there's something to it. And I'm so self-aware of it now, where back then I had no idea. I was just going on autopilot as you go back to retail jobs. I was just taught everybody gets jobs like this. So maybe I should go get a job like this. And I went in and I was like, 
I'm not good at this job. There's something not right about this. Maybe I shouldn't. And then I would leave the job and then I'd lose confidence. I'd be like, I'm not good at that job. And then you do the other job. Same thing would happen again. I'm not good at that job. So it starts to kind of, you know, you feel a little bit of self-doubt going on there. So it's interesting. Yeah, I have an idea that we, uh, we're we weaker now as a human race than we've ever been. Yeah. I think that we've... There, there's areas where we're specialists and people become specialists in whether that's like they, they focus in on sport and become Olympians or elite or professional or whatever, they're top of their game. Or they're in their career and they just take that to the top, become you know, managing director, CEO, manager of a shop, whatever it is, they, they, they focus in on that. Or they're a mom or a dad and they just focus everything into their into their kids and into their family. But that as a as a human being in terms of our physical abilities that we're weaker now across the board. Yeah. So I don't just mean oh like you might be great and go to the gym and have awesome bicep curls and eighteen inch arms, great. But what do you like in the cold? Yeah. What do you like uh, when you're going for a run? What do you like in a sauna? What do you like in a diversity of environments? Yeah. And because we don't have that diversity of pursuits and pastimes, um, and because life takes us over so much that we don't have the time and the focus and the energy to do that, and nobody told us that we should do that, yeah. that as a human being we're weaker. And that's why for me that's why there's so much disease and so much uh, illness and so much uh, immune system problems going on and mental health problems going on yeah yeah no i totally agree and it makes so much sense as the way you explain that right there i've the environment getting out in the environment when i started to put a little bit of work on myself the last say four years just getting out in the environment and putting those challenges on getting out of my comfort zone has really woken me up to this was something we should be doing more often. And I know it's hard for people to, to, to commit it to their jobs and responsibilities, I understand, but if you can find a way to make that little bit of time just to get out and challenge yourself, get in the cold, do some bread work, go for climbs, whatever that works, just getting out in that environment will really help your confidence. I can see it pay off 100%. Um, Definitely, um, I'm all for that. We don't even know each other that well, like no, no. <laughs> it's not like for anybody that's listening. It's not like uh, I, I brought Jay on and I've been working with him for like three no. or four years and no. been like, "Come on, let's sneak this in." And we've only really like we, we met each other through judo. Yeah, and um, I'm coaching your kids. Yeah, and uh, you you saw some of what I I, I said to the group. Say, hey, look, I'm doing uh, a breathe and co plunge and, and sauna class locally come on and join us and then yeah. that's and that's only in what six eight months We're talking about eight months, ago, eight months ago that we did it so uh, even the fact that you're saying that, that you've been at least getting out and going for runs and and getting into cold enough for four or five years it's it's uh, fascinating to hear from somebody totally different right yeah yeah 100 percent. and it's so interesting to how we met doing the judo you're obviously coaching the girls it was maybe nearly a year now and the girls love it, by the way. Leo's a fantastic judo coach. <laughs> but um, they won't miss it. But when I went there, I remember kind of being, I wasn't in a little bit of a funk. It was just like I wanted to get my girls into something positive. And because I knew like movement is important, getting the girls to be self aware of their body and stuff like that. And especially they're six and seven back then, they're seven and eight now. So I think, right, judo, and I found the judo club. And I remember seeing you do the the class, coaching the kids. I'm like, wow, I just seen there was a power in the way you held the class and your confidence was there. 
and I looked and I was like, you know what, I'm in a position where I could actually do that as well because I do train jiu-jitsu and there's, I'm part of a club in Drogheda. Um, George Santos um, is the headquarters in Dublin. It's JSPJJ Drogheda. And David just, Dillon, putting a, just putting a promo out there for you guys. Yeah, just, 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 <laughs> if we say jiu-jitsu, I have to link it in. Um, Damien Dowling is the black belt there, the professor. Um, but I, I had that opportunity was there, but I wasn't um, privy to it. Like I like obviously could have asked, Damien would have said, yeah, no problem. But there was something about the way you held that class gave me a lot of self-confidence and going like, you could do that. I was like, okay. So it was like the girls enjoyed it. I loved watching the class. The parents do love watching the class as well. That's a great um, benefit for that judo club. You can sit and watch and you can see your kids kind of grow through the whole class over a few weeks. You're kind of like, oh, and I can see parents getting a little bit of confidence in themselves. And I might kind of resonate when you go back home and talk to your kids about it. Yeah, we do that on purpose. I I have my own girls as well um, who are, Beatrice is 13, Genevieve is 11, and then Juliet's 5. But I, I've been, we've been around a lot of different sports with the girls, just to test them and find them out what what they like and what they don't like. But they have to come to judo. Yeah. Because <laughs> I run the class. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's their unfortunate. But um, what I was saying there was is to have the parents around, to have them involved, uh, I think it's important. Um, I think it's key to building a culture amongst the kids and amongst the parents as well, because at the end of the day, they're all going to go home. And it's what you do at home that really counts for the kids. Yeah. Um, and if, if everybody gets involved and the parents gets involved, then all of a sudden the, the, the love fosters and grows, which yeah. is uh, pretty cool as yeah. well. Great. Lovely. It's a lovely dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. So um, back back to where were we going? I was going, why, why, how did we meet? We'd done the workshop. When we'd done the workshop, um, clerk ahead, it was 7.20 a.m. And funny enough, I had a, a competition that day. So I was like, I need to do something to calm my nerves down because pre-comp anxiety is a thing when you're doing jiu-jitsu. You just can't get the, the process off your mind. Like, did I do enough training? What's it going to be like? Um, who am I competing against? Am I doing the right thing? Do I have a game plan? All oh, that's going on in your head. And I was like, naturally, I was like, I want to find something that's going to set me up for this. And I remember you putting into the WhatsApp group of the judo club workshop. I was like, okay. I'll do that and it's on the same day and they, they were, it was like this is going to work out great but so we got there we've done the breath work you introduced the breath work fantastically as well you had lots of experience the background was made me feel more calm about it so everybody was there there was lots of people there you, were, you suggested about it being the Freezebury um, challenge and you were raising money for Peter House which was like this is all fantastic stuff it's like great so, yeah, so um, they, to give people a background it was uh I, I want to start hosting local workshops to build a community um, based around breath work and cold exposure uh, because sea swimming has got huge, particularly since the um, end of the pandemic, but it's to bring that community together and the breath work side of things and, and because there's some, there, there is a lot of power in that. So I developed my own class, which is Breathe, Cold, Plunge and Sauna. I use what I call an Inspire Breathwork Experience. That's kind of my amalgamation of all different sorts, but the Wim Hof method forms a basis of it. And so uh, with that first one, I also linked in with Freezebury because that's an event that's run in Ireland uh, going back. I was at the first one back in 2019. And uh, I'll explain more about it again, but it's getting in the, in the sea every day of February. 
So when they raised money for Pieta House, it was like, okay, let, let's tie this all in together and get a yeah. crack at, which yeah. is where you came in, right? Yeah, great. And you could feel that energy there when we got to that um, place, the, the, what's the beach hut? Yeah, it was a beach hut there, Claire Head. <laughs> 26 there. people popped into a coffee people. shop. There was um, literally room yeah. for maybe half a person yeah. more. <laughs> they were like a little tin of sardines and we just like, right, everybody on the ground, yoga mats on, or blankets on the ground, and just get comfortable. And we all didn't even like go, like, I think it's a bit too squashy here it was like no just get down everyone's on board we're gonna we're doing this which was great and we just went into it and it was fantastic um then we was got, that your first breath work experience it was the first like with held with a with a host like yourself yeah like i did stuff at home like I, I, stuff I, I i read wim's book i was always interested in like wim coming up to it like a couple of years before that i just kind of knew he was onto something with the cold exposure but i didn't have the courage to kind of go straight in like when was like so it was like right i'd like to build up to it i like to i love getting the information first and build my confidence up through it you know steps so steps did you dabble in the women before I, I dabbled a little bit in the guided breathing um i read the book down the book i kind of relate with the book um how which book is recent one the wim hof method that one the wim hof is very recent we'll becoming the ice man no the wim hof method it would have been out maybe two or three years ago now yeah, not even that. It's only about a year old, I think. I'm sure it's so we have it in there somewhere. But um, I remember reading the first chapter, and it, it kind of blew me away about how he kind of instinctively ended up in the cold by losing um his partner, his his wife his wife was my right. Oh yeah, and um, it was just kind of like you kind of hit some um hit some strings with me as well, and it's just okay. So he just found a way through that feeling of being lost and what to do and he just went into the elements he just went to somewhere completely natural and he got something out of it he got power out of it and I, I would have been this similar I had a similar experience I had my um, partner I'm a single dad now but I have two daughters and my partner passed away three years ago today actually um, the 21st of October 2019 and sorry that's okay thank you I, I just I could relate to feeling that loss and how to get through it and what helped me get through it would have been just getting out into nature and move and keep myself positive because I had to be you know mentally I'd say mentally strong to get through this for supporting those girls so some of the paragraphs in the story was just inspiring and I was like okay this could be something I could do because I could relate to it a little bit. Now, Wim's story is different to mine. It's obviously unique. I think everybody who has a loss, their experience is unique, and they have to try and work their way through it. I had fantastic support um, when it happened. The community did help me out. There was a GoFundMe page. Everybody knew it would be under pressure to kind of earn and get an income in. So... Did your partner have a long illness? Sorry? Did your partner have an illness or? Sorry, yeah, my, my partner, she, the illness was a very rare form of melanoma. Um, and I was diagnosed, it would have been very late, a couple of days before she actually passed because they didn't really understand. What's wrong with young? Sorry? What age was she? She, must have she was young. 29 years old. Um, yeah, they, they couldn't they couldn't relate to what the sickness was causing, the type of form of cancer. But she had a tumour in her belly and was 19 centimetres when 
she got the first MRI scan and leading up to it she was actually feeling okay a couple of months so say June May June she was feeling a bit pearly and she went to the doctor and the doctor said okay I will give you some pain medication and kind of sent her back home and see how you got on and a couple of weeks later she wasn't getting any better so then she done another checkup and then they sent her to a and e to get a scanner or an ultrasound to kind of just dig deep and see what's going on there and a and e um doctor stem kind of gave her more pain medication and medication for um constipation and he didn't go through with a scan um they just said well, they didn't say they just said they just i think back then their decision was this is not serious enough i think you're just your symptoms are just it's either constipation or a build-up so they gave her medication, she went back home. She took them for a week. It wasn't getting any better again, so she went back to the doctor. It was kind of like a process of back to the doctor, back to A&E, back to the doctor. It was done three times. And finally, um, we kind of just said, like, we're not leaving A&E until we get the scan. And then eventually we got the scan done. Um, and then they showed a big old tumour in their tummy, 19 centimetres, and it was on the 13th of September, 2019. Um, September, October, she had no time. Wow. Like, it was way too late. Um, yeah, it was very hard. It's very traumatic. Everything happened so quick, so fast. Um, it's, it's hard to get a hold and a grasp on it. Um, but mainly, really, what we had to do, we had to make decisions kind of quick, and I had to try and support her through the process and keep her try keep her motivated. She was a little bit scared about. Being in hospital on her own, um, getting the treatment done. She she was always a very anxious person. She suffered with anxiety, so I was kind of always there to help her kind of balance that out. Um, Leanne always did say to me, "I had a very calming presence, and when I was in the room with her, that she would um, she'd feel better. I didn't have to do anything, just be there." So that was one of my powers. I think I couldn't do much. I felt so helpless, um, but being there was just something that worked for her, and obviously. Um. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of. There's so much to talk about during the whole treatment, but that's another road. I'd love to kind of get more information on it and research it myself, and probably even write about it one day because I could think it could help out people um who would ever go through treatment like that and are feeling so confused because it's kind of like when you get diagnosed something so serious, it's like all the power kind of goes. Not one say all the power, but like you would think like you put the trust in the doctors and the medical system and it, it could work out but you have so many decisions to do and we, is this the right thing to do um should we go for the treatment should we you know go get this test on go get that test on um in the moment i felt like if i know it's a really hard truth but like if there was nothing they could have done in hindsight it was like we should have been told that and we could have spent quality time just back home taking care of each other and she could have made a lot more plans because what i witnessed was her going back and forth getting certain treatments done from lurch hospital to vincent's hospital in dublin and it was just so manic and we had no time to get a hold of it and i felt like the person you really cared about and loved and her family was just slipping away so quick and we couldn't get that decision we couldn't make that decision because we just thought naturally we just the medical system and the doctors know what they're doing. Now, what they do most of the time, I'm not disregarding them, but it's just 
we have a choice as well as a person. It's like you have that choice to make. And um, what could you do? I would have loved to be able to have that conversation with Leanne. Um, but she did say, I want to try whatever it takes to get better. Um, obviously, fight for the girls because they were so young. They were only four and five years old then. Yeah, wow. Um, so to them, they had no idea what was going on. They did know Mammy wasn't well. We brought her in a lot to for, we brought them in a lot to visit. Um, Leanne was all about that. She's like, let them come in, let them see me. I want them to see me. Like, obviously, they made her happy. They made her day better while she was getting treatment done. But as the 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 effects were taking her toll on her, she couldn't really speak too much. The pain was so high. Um, she couldn't have conversations that much. Um, so I kind of had to manage getting them in just enough time and then let them have a talk and then get them out and bring them back home and then take care of them, feed them. And I know he wanted to be there with Leanne and Leanne was there on her own. It was so hard to manage that because we were just kind of... I mean, say, say you just had to get through, get through that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Are you still in that energy where it just gets through because obviously you're now raising your two daughters? Yeah. Um, on your own and we, we your family who you said have been wonderful um, but are you still in that have you found that you were in that mode for long I was in this for about about a year about a year now during the treatment it was it was just reacting on your instincts like what's good here what's this feel like am, am I doing the right thing you're kind of you're just kind of you're, you're heightened your experiences are way more heightened because you're on a different reaction I think Especially an emotional reaction, I think. And so I think you have to kind of hold it well and try to stay calm. But whatever way, I, I, I think I've done the best job I could for them and getting Leanne through it as long as I could. Um, but when she passed, um, the support was there. Everybody, like, you know, I'm not going to say bombarded me, but the support was just right. They kind of checked in on us, you know, they make sure we could cover ourselves financially with a, a GoFundMe page and they took care of like I was paying rent at the time like, I was always worried about that like there's no way I could pay the rent on my own and there's no way I could work on my own who's going to look after the girls I had so much stuff going on like how's this all going to work out Um, so there was a net there for a couple of years which is great and got me through it it gave me that time to really just hone in and just take care of those girls and just like all my needs, which maybe you no, know, I can see it now. All my needs were out the window. I just wanted them to get through this little loss, this kind of feeling of, uh, I wouldn't say abandonment, but it was trauma and abandonment because they had someone there who loved them so much and it just all of a sudden just disappeared for them. So I was kind of in that moment. I was like, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? So I had that time to kind of take care of them for a couple of years. And then as the eager were getting older, you could see the confidence come in and you were working through it. We still have a bit of work to do and we talk about it every, not every day, but like when, you know, if you have down days, I can, I can kind of see that something's amiss, you know, and I kind of check in with them as much as I can. And checking in is really important to talking about it, even myself. But now, since a couple of years have passed, I've started to notice that it's time for me now to work on me. And I knew that at the start, when she passed, I'm going to go, I'm going to do whatever I could to make sure those girls are okay. And once I know they're starting to come through it, I'm going to put the work on me. And this is what I'm going to do for you 
I said it because she couldn't speak when she passed. But I said it for spiritually, whatever it was, there was something in that room that made me say that, and it got me through it. it got me through those three years. It was like a, an infinite promise. And I said, I'll do the work on me now. And I did, and I am doing it now. And what's happening now with me is almost unexplainable, but I'm just, I know it's innate and it's unique. And I'm working on it, I'm getting through it. I'm starting to meet lovely people. And I'm on the right track. Um, so yeah, it's just lots to talk about yeah. through the whole process. You were saying that you uh, you were reading women's book as you were going through that as well. Yeah. Through that process and you saw value in some parts of it. What did you take out of it that um, kind of helped you along the way? Mm-hmm. Is that when you started the cold therapy or did you start some of the breath work or was it just the mindset side that, that really helped you? It was, it was kind of both. Hearing somebody else's story. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of both because I knew emotionally when when you're when you have a when you're going through grief, it can kind of sneak up on you. And I think, in reference, I I knew there's other ways to kind of you talking is great, talking with people is great, um, having that support there. There was options for therapy and getting the girls to speak to um, a therapist and stuff like that, which I did want to uh, work on. But there's there's other ways where I knew if I try and make myself feel well during the day and control what I can for them and for me and just slow everything right down and just take care of the important stuff, like getting them fed, having food, clothes, like the really important basic stuff, that kind of helps me um, set up the weeks and the days and get through day by day because when you're going through the process, it feels like you're everything is happening to you and them at that moment, and you're so aware of it, and you're like you're putting yourself under so much pressure, and you're upset all the time. You're like, how do we get out of that? How do we get out of that? You have to work on it, and you have to build something to keep you positive. Um, even the girls as well, like they have their own days of having little wobbles, but once they get out of it. I'll bring them out for walks with the dog. It's very simple stuff, and it really kind of helps um, maintain a balance and not get so overwhelmed. I'm not thinking you're not doing the right thing because there were some days where I was upset and they were upset, and we were all upset in the house. I was like, "This is okay. Let it pass. It's going to pass, and it will pass, and it did pass." And we kind of worked through that, and then it eventually kind of gave us a nice way to go okay i understand these feelings and this is going to dissipate and then a nicer day will come and we go meet some people and we talk about it and the support is there so just checking in with that was great um yeah i think yeah so i just vaguely remember that two years of really just making sure keeping it like this and it's going to work out and it did and i think we've done it the right way for me Everybody else would have a different way of dealing with it, but I think wherever I just listen to my intuition, I listen to my, I wouldn't say my spirit, I listen to how I do things best for me and for my children, because you'd know them. Everybody knows their children in a sense. They know what they need instinctively. They just, they can pick it up sometimes if they're aware of it. Um, And I'm just very aware, self-aware of, people's emotions i've got good empathy i think so i think 
yeah, that just got me through it. And in terms of why the cold therapy worked in the breadwork, reading um, Wim's book, was like, you're going to find a way through this. So through the struggle, through getting into the cold, through working on the breath, he kind of releases those good feeling emotions. And so did you get in uh, during that two-year period where you get into cold? I wouldn't say the first year. I say the second year. How do you feel when you can you remember when you got in? Did um, you notice that? Did you notice that in different, or was it a gradual thing over it was time? Gradual. It it was a, yeah, it would have been. It would have been gradual. It wasn't straight away. It was. I was scared. I was worried. What feelings would come up? Um, definitely scared about that. Um, I wasn't sure it was the right thing to do. Um, but I just I worked with it because I knew. I knew there was something about the way you can challenge yourself with the cold therapy and you're waking your body up like you feel alive. It's kind of wakes something up within you when you get into something cold. And I haven't put that down with yet, but it makes me think better. And it, it brought up a couple of feelings that I've never, well, I did feel them before, but they were gone when you're going through a little bout of depression and loss. And it kind of gets you back to base level, basically, or grounds you. Um, yeah. So they say the second year in, I've done, I've done that work, and oh, you could feel the benefits after. It really weeks. brings you back to yourself, right? Yeah. It, it connects you to you, connects you to nature, connects you to the people around you. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things that, like, it's it's no wonder there there's a lot of research going on now with co-therapy and depression with and co-therapy and trauma and breath work as well but uh there's something in it right yeah there's something in it definitely. whether whether we have the science behind it it's not strong enough yet but you don't need to just get in and experience it if, if you're in that place yeah and you're drawn to it have the courage to step up to yeah. it and that's one of the things as well i was just drawing to it like i didn't think about it but i just kept being feeling drawn to it i was like just go go feels good just go and if it's working for you, just go, just do it. Um, it took a while to start getting into the cold showers then. Um, you know, yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> uh, do, doing doing uh, cold showers, so we obviously we're doing the, um, the Coldtober challenge at the moment for October. And I much prefer getting into the seat and taking the cold shower. It's kind of harder. Whatever way the cold shower <laughs> lands on you in one spot and it's freezing, it's sort of like... Oh, this is way worse than getting into the sea. <laughs> well, to give you an idea, actually, it's it's a running, it's a constant running water. Yeah. Um, on top of you, so it's 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 new drops of water the whole time on top of you. That's why, and if you think of your 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 whole body like as millions of these neurons, these sensors for touch and feel and cold, all over your skin, millions and millions and millions of them. So, like everyone is lit up like a light every time they drop falls on it. Whereas if you're immersed in the sea, well, they're all lit up all at once, so it's pretty hard initially, but then they're all lit up. It, it's yeah. fine. All the lights are on. Yeah. Instead of turning one light on and off and on yeah. and off and on and off. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. So people find it different. Like, some people love a cold shower. Some people love the sea. Some people love an ice bath. Some people love a river. At the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter what one you do. Just, just do the one you're drawn to. Yeah. And keep coming back to it. Yeah, yeah. And get out feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what we want. We want to feel good. Yeah, good. 
So then what about the breath work then? You, Because uh, we met then earlier on this year. Uh, you dabbled in the Wim Hof. How have you found the breath work uh, since then? The breath work, I'm... Because you went, you went down to compete later on that day, yeah? I did, yeah. I, I competed that day. Um, I felt way more zen after the breath work. Um, I could... You know, when, when you do some breath work and you go try so if you do something physical and exertion you have way more control of how you're breathing and you're aware of it so in hindsight i can really say if i went to compete without doing a breath work i would get my anxiety up obviously and you're you know competing and you're going through the moment and you're grappling each other and the breath is kind of going and it's kind of stressful and you're like him and on you're like oh, but when I'd done the breath work, I was breathing through my nose, I was calm, and I was more alert to what I was doing. I was like, everything was slowed down. So it's just something to it. I competed great on that day. Now, I didn't win my bracket, but I just knew I, I can compete way better doing this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And there was something to it. Yeah, I was, yeah. You, just, breathe, you breathe calm, you can think clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, and the, there's processes there where the breath is tied to attention and focus in the brain. And it's tied to fear, okay. which is interesting. So if you have, if you're in full control of your breath and your breath is ahead of your body and ahead of your mind, in other words, it's calm and leading the way, then those other processes don't ramp up yeah. as strongly, right? Yeah. So fear is is calmed, for want of a better word. Focus is better. Yeah. And your body is more relaxed. You can now execute your game plan so yeah. much better. Yeah. And, and you can tap into that, as you said, your your, your own feeling, your own um, intuition yeah. of how to play your game. Yeah. That's yeah. the beauty of breathing. That was, and that's what yeah. was happening. Yeah, that was happening. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, and I remember even when the competition was finished, I sent the message out just straight away. It's like, Leo, uh, whatever you've done, yeah. I was on fire. Uh, so there's something to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, delighted. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I, like, I, I obviously we're now at the stage because after that, then you said, I want to know more about this. Yeah. yeah. So we said, right, let's. Uh, we've had a couple of chats over the last few months, and I said, right, let's get you, let's get you trained up. So I'm now training yourself and Marcus in yeah. the auction advantage uh, for their advanced instructor training. Yeah. I'm going to train you along the way as well as we do that, right? And then come on board and you'll be coaching people and the whole uh, the whole rest, which I think will be brilliant. Yeah. But that's why I want to get you on because one, first of all, your life is like, it's, it's fabulously unique. You know, yeah, yeah, you've, you've obviously had great love in your life and great loss in your life as well. And great love still with the girls and with the family and, and, and the BJJ that you have. Yeah. And that is, that's something that a lot of humans experience yeah. um, and can experience. You just had it very early on in life, yeah. which, is, which is tough. Yeah. Like it's tough, but there's great value in that as well. Um, if you can tap into it. And I mean that with the best respect no, to, to what's happened in your life yeah. is, you know, I can only imagine going forward, a, how you are with your kids uh, and just how you can be there for them much more than somebody who hasn't had that um, and hasn't been through that. Yeah. Um, and the same as well with the way your mind works. Like that will connect to a lot of people as well. Like you said, undiagnosed ADHD or just an inability to focus. Lots of energy when you're, when you're not tapped in, when you're not looking after the baselines of you. 
then your brain starts to go yeah. haywire. Exactly. It starts to go crazy. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Which is yeah. funny because there's a few people and there's another guy I want to get on the podcast and he's he's not coming on at the minute, yeah. so I'm not going to name him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a big shout out to him. He knows who he is. Okay, okay. And I want to get him on because the bre- the breathing, I focus a lot on the oxygen advantage and the buteco and the keham yep. breathing and the breath holding side of things with him. And he's just found it unbelievable how... His thinking has changed, how his whole being has changed and yeah. his relationships have changed with it. Yeah. So I think this is exciting for you because you're early on in your kind of in your education and in your development of this stuff on purpose. Up yeah. to now, you've been feeling your way. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to find out more. And I'm, I'm, I'm in now. It's a shoe in. Yeah. I'm locked in. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now now you're actually gonna with a with a consciousness you're going to improve these baselines and see how see how you progress over time and how you change over time. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. it can be only good. <laughs> As I said before, my intuition is going to it's going to be good in this one. So, I'm going to this is going to be good. I'm very excited to learn more. Nice. Yeah. And this is why this is why I pulled in and got you in on one of the early podcasts because you know as you go through your training. Uh, I want to down the line then go check back in with you see how you're getting on and yeah. then you give your insights and glean your insights yeah. and then even a couple of years down the line pull you in again and be like hey yeah, no. how, how's things going for you yeah this is good this is great yeah. yeah more than happy to check in have chats about it on my little journey and I'm hoping it'll benefit other people out there as well um, by hearing it it's hard it's hard to be transparent it's hard to talk about um, a loss like that but as I said, I'm on a kind of a different level of confidence now because I kind of have a little breakthrough um, and I know my girls are doing way better. So the confidence is kind of spiking. So I would definitely um, love to check back in and just kind of see how I'm getting on a year down the road or six months down the road and see what comes from it because it's, it'll definitely have a bit of power for people to listen to and uh, hopefully get through something similar. Um, please... God, it doesn't, but um, if there's people listening out there that you can get through it, just try and work what's good for you. Um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Um, the support, take the support. Um, ask for help if you need it. Um, definitely, definitely, it's it's all there. You just really have to try and work on yourself. Try get a bit of accountability on what is working for you. And be aware of that and it's going to get you through day by day um, yeah it's beautiful man Always. and you know what I appreciate that too because you know sometimes sometimes life is just really shit and deals you a really nasty hand and that's just is what it is unfortunately it's 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 life it's yeah. human life I think we all think we're going to live to our 80, 90, 100 years of age and the only thing that will take us is old age but that's just unfortunately it's just not how life is yeah. and for for some people and in some cases and it's like me I'm, I'm i say i'm blessed every day i say i'm blessed that i have asthma that that i went through that at 19 20 21 years of age because it's meant that i have these skills for life now yeah because i developed them so young even though back then it was the worst thing in the world for me yeah in the moment and and some people don't get through that that's that's a tough thing about life as well. It is. But it's interesting that you said, you know, you, you, A, you just have to survive it. You have to get through it. 
um, if that stuff is going through you and listen to who you are because that's what that's what innate strength is all about it's about tapping inside and becoming aware of what your subconscious is what your spirit is telling you who you are what what that's saying that's one side of it is becoming aware of it and then the other side is is building yourself through habits through rituals through practices through experiences to know that um you can walk this path no matter how hard it is and then eventually you can get to a stage of thriving and living what I will call a great life, which is you can deal with all of that stuff, be okay with it, and still be able to smile, still be able to find that one day. Um, And and be able to give that back to somebody else, whether that's your kids, or be on a podcast like this and just share your story. And that's the part of it, the human experience, being able to give it back, go through it, and then being open-minded to give it back. And having that self-confidence to pursue it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Awesome. It's a it's a tough but beautiful story that you have. Yeah. And uh I'm looking forward to uh to getting to know you more. Yeah. And, and to being around you more and uh, to having you back on the podcast and hearing more about how you're getting on. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thanks for having me today, Dio. No, nice. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>